Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here today. And I believe that God's word is able to do what it says it will do. It will work in your life. I want you to believe it today by faith. Take it and watch the amazing things that God is going to perform on your behalf as you trust in him. Praise the Lord. Let's honor the Lord by bringing the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. I have a scripture verse for you today concerning God's blessing and God's plan for your finances. We have insight into this from the book of Joshua chapter five. Let's look at verse 10. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. My friends, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years, God supernaturally sustained them with the angel food, the miracle food called manna. But once they got over into the promised land, God very quickly wrapped up what had been a 40 year perpetual miracle. And it's not that God's wanting to take away the miracle. It's that God has something better for them. Now, we certainly believe in miracles, but my friends, God, he wants us primarily to operate on principles. You can't fly an airplane over and over every day on miracles, but you can operate that airplane on principles of going to flight school and learning the mechanics of it and knowing how it operates. And that is actually how we live our life. Now, God does intervene at times, sometimes in very spectacular ways, but that's not the norm. The norm is we fly by principles and God lifted the manna. What does that mean? It means they go in and now they start to use the principles of agriculture, the principles that deal with livestock, and they are able to begin to support themselves through the blessing of the Lord resting upon their lives. And my friends, the Lord still works the same way today. Here's a very short story. It's only about a page and a half. Actually, it's not even, these are very short pages, but I want to read a little uh, short story to you about a day in the life of Corey Tinboom when she was in the Nazi death camp. Listen to this and how God worked a miracle and it went on for some time, but then it stopped at a certain moment. This would be the book, A Prisoner and Yet. And Corey Tinboom says, upon entering the camp, that would be the concentration death camp, we had to surrender not only our clothes, but also our medicines. But we were allowed to keep a few toilet articles. My small bottle of the vitamin, a liquid vitamin compound, was then about half full. I set it down on the table, and the woman who was checking us in said, that also is a toilet article. 
She put it back in my bag with her own hands, and I was very happy about it. Vitamin deficiency was the greatest hazard amongst the prisoners. From the very first day, I gave everyone sleeping around me a couple of drops of vitamin every day. I gave it to as many as 30 persons at a time, but the little bottle continued to yield its drops. This went on for six or eight weeks until the women no longer asked me, do you still have some vitamin? But they asked her, do you still have any oil from the cruise of the widow of Zarephath? <laughs> they were right in calling it that, for as the jar of meal never finished, neither did my vitamin. Then one day, my friend who worked in the hospital brought me a jar of vitamins. I believe it was brewer's yeast. Give this to all the women around you, she said, but do not tell anyone that I gave it to you. So I gave each woman enough to last her for a week. And so um, uh, she goes on to say, that evening I, I said to my sister Betsy, I am going to give you the vitamin too as long as it lasts, but not a drop came out of the bottle. The miracle was no longer necessary. Why? They had this other substance that one of the kind nurses uh, had uh, brought to Corey, and that was uh, even a better substance. So there's a point where God can override laws that he made. But remember, if he made them, they're good to start with. But once things get back to a normal state, we move back into the normal flow of operation, which is what? You operate by principles. And notice how Corey Tinboom, even in this camp, this prison camp, she has this little bottle, and she's giving it out to others. She's giving drops to others while yet she is a prisoner. And, of course, her sister died there. She became very sick. Even, actually, Corey got very sick, too. But she lived through it and was accidentally released through a clerical error that allowed her to get out. But, my friends, she was a giver. She was a giver even in a death camp. And God can do miracles. But we're going to live by principles. What are those principles? Seed time and harvest. Luke chapter 6, also verse 38. Another phenomenal principle. And look, as a Christian, if you don't work these principles, you will be subjected to the many difficulties and complex problems that are out there in the world that not even nations can solve. But you know what? You can walk above that when you work these principles and you'll be in a safe place with the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Now, let's work those principles and also be open to those times where the supernatural does invade your life and even miracles happen in the area of your finances. But when that happens, still, Still keep working principles. Amen. Because the miracles, they won't last forever. But God's, God's principles do. Hallelujah. Now, for those of you that are bringing the tithing offering in online, please visit the ministry website of stephenbrooks.org. There on the homepage is a link that's called, uh, it just says give, and it has a, a red heart on it. And you can click that heart, and you can bring your, your tithes in, which is 10% of your increase that God has blessed you with, 10% of your income. And you can also give an offering there as well. Praise the Lord. Remember, the tithe already belongs to the Lord. We give that to Him. 
out of, out of love and obedience. And then we can also sow offerings, which are above the tithe. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you prefer to mail in your tithe and offering, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. Praise the Lord. Oh, I, I see miracles are going to happen in your finances. But when they do, even when you get a miracle blessing, what is the first thing you do? You, you give a tithe on that. Praise the Lord. No money is ever placed in my wallet unless the tithe is taken out first. Praise the Lord. And it should be the first thing that we do. Glory to the Lord. And then sow some seed. Praise the Lord. There's always a way to give. Uh, it doesn't matter where you're at. You'll always, God will always give you the ability to be able to give something. Praise the Lord. Even if it's a little drop of vitamin. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. Did you ever notice that God can't multiply something unless you give him something to multiply? So it doesn't matter if it's loaves and fishes. Or I guess technically I should say fish, right? Because uh, you can't put an S on fish and make it plural. But whether it's the fish and the loaves, or whether it's the, uh, the, the widow's little cruise of oil, or that last meal, or whatever it was, or the vitamin. I'm telling you, if you just put something in the Lord's hand, if you put seed in His hand, you give God something to work with, and you give Him the authorization on your behalf to bring blessing and even multiplication into your life. Thank you for your support of this ministry that allows us to preach the gospel around the world. It's such an honor to be able to do that. And thank you for your faithful giving. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, bless your people right now as they're honoring you, as they're bringing their tithes and their offerings into the storehouse I thank you, Father God, that this ministry is ever increasing, that we're reaching further, and we're making more of an impact to bring faith to your people, to bring an understanding of your kingdom to your people, and also to reach the lost. Father, bless your people. Multiply the seeds they sow. And I thank you that because they're tithers, I thank you, Father God, they're locked into you with a beautiful covenant of supernatural protection and provision. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you that there are miracles, but we live by principles, principles of seed time and harvest, tithing and offerings. Thank you, Father God, for an understanding of your kingdom and your principles. We bless you. Father, I bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, let's take our Bibles today. And we want to talk about the subject of kings, what kings do in the spring. Who glory to God. And we'll get a good understanding of this, particularly from the book of Revelation. If you're new to the Christian faith, this, my friends, will be the easiest book, maybe the second easiest book in your Bible to find. It's the last book in the Bible. It's called the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. First, the easiest book would be the first book, Genesis. Hallelujah. But we all start somewhere. Hallelujah. If you're new to the faith, also go out and treat yourself, buy yourself a nice Bible. 
praise the Lord. There's many different versions. You'll probably find one that works best for you. I teach and minister from the New King James Version, simply known as the NKJV. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, we're in Revelation chapter 1. Let's start today in verse 5. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that by the anointing of your spirit, your word would jump into us. And we thank you that your word is seed. So let it fall upon the soil of our hearts and produce the 100-fold return. Woo, glory to God, a fruitful harvest in our lives of living in what the word empowers us to do and become. Thank you, Father, for the 100-fold return of your word sown in our lives. In Jesus' name, shout and say amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, and we go to verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Wow. Feels so good to read that. Feels so wonderful in my spirit to read that. Now verse 6, and referring to Jesus, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God's original intent for the nation of Israel, for his people, were that they would be an entire priestly nation. That didn't, that didn't turn out the way God wanted it to. And so the priestly function was preserved only for one tribe out of the whole nation. That would be Levi. And amongst the Levites, they would be the workers at the tabernacle or temple system. And then up from the Levites would be the priest, those descended from the Aaronic line. And you had a small stream that would be the priest. And if you weren't in that group, you could never be a priest. But thank God, in the new covenant, God's purposes, which didn't always work out under the old covenant, God's purposes have now been fulfilled through Christ. And they're continuing to unfold before us because now in Christ, we are kings and priests in him. Who praise the Lord. Now there's a lot more to that when you study the, 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 the purpose, the identity, the assignment of a king and of a priest. But those are anointings that are resting upon your life. So today is more of a focus of the kingly anointing. We're going to touch on that today because Jesus has made us kings and priests to our God. Mm-mm. And so as a king, there's something something good that you are supposed to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. Let's we'll start in verse 9. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue, and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Praise the Lord. It's a beautiful thing that we are now kings and priests 
to our God. I want you to embrace that identity because with that kingly anointing, there's something that you're supposed to be doing right now that's very, very kingly. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. I sat down for breakfast yesterday at my home, and I knew that my wife, uh, Pastor Kelly, had gone down to the office to work. I knew that there was nobody in the house. I knew there was nobody upstairs, but I heard uh, such a ruckus going on right above the floor uh, above my head, which would be the second floor. And I heard all kinds of uh, pandemonium and noise, and I thought, well, maybe the lawnmower guy is out there mowing around or something like that. But, you know, look out the window. Well, there's, there's no lawnmowers, and, well, maybe somebody's checking something, or I'll look around, don't see anything. So I sat back down and tried to continue to eat my breakfast, but it just it got too loud, too much noise, all kinds of ruckus and racket going on. I thought, what in the world is that? So I went out the side door to the back and just walked out uh, towards, towards the back and instantly saw what was going on. It was a mother bird that was using one of the side vents on our house to build a nest in. And uh, so it has like an aluminum vent. And uh, she obviously thought, well, that's a great place. It's out of the rain uh, and, uh, you know, kind of high up, so it's protected. So she was building a nest in there and wings flapping and twigs being flown in and all kinds of, all kinds of stuff going on. And it told me, uh, along with all of the flowers that I can see blooming everywhere, uh, you know, Pastor Kelly loves to put out flowers around uh, not only our home, but also around the ministry, uh, the ministry property. We have lots of tulips that are just springing all over the place. But also I can see our neighbors, the, the tulips and everything coming up. My friends, it tells me that spring is here. It's not coming. It's here. Praise the Lord. Now, as a king, it's very important that you understand that there are certain seasons when there's a special anointing and grace to do what kings do. And I'm going to if I could say commission you today, I'm going to send you out, praise the Lord, to do what a king does during springtime. And let's take a look at it because things haven't changed, even though the millennia have passed. We're going to go now to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Let's talk about what kings are supposed to do in the spring because that's what you're supposed to do because in Christ you are. Now have the kingly anointing upon your life. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year. Please take your highlighter. Take your pen. Don't be afraid to make notes in your Bible. And underline that. Underline that and say that out loud. In the spring of the year. Mm-hmm. At the time when kings... Go out to battle. Or as one translation says, at the time when kings go out to war. Mm-mm. Now, I'm talking about the kingly thing that you're supposed to do during the springly thing. Praise God. What is that, Pastor Stephen? Am I supposed to go out and buy a sword or a gun? No, not necessarily. <laughs> no, not. this, this is a, has a spiritual connotation. But it's time, my friends, For you as a believer in Christ, under the spring anointing, it's time for you to go off to war. Mm -mm. Yes, Pastor Stephen, I'm ready to shoot somebody. No, that's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about what kings do in the sense of planning war and engaging in war in order to possess something that they believe they have a right to possess. Praise the Lord. And of course, the kings of Israel, uh, in the sense when they were operating in the will of God, such as a war to possess land that God said rightfully belongs to you, and you're supposed to drive out the enemy to take it, because the enemy has, has polluted and defiled the land to the point the land will, will cooperate with you and help to throw out the enemy, then it's time to go do the kingly thing and go off to war. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Now, there is going to be an anointing to go out to battle. There's going to be an anointing to go out to war. What were the wars for? To take possession of what a king wanted to possess. So you're going to be possessing some things. You're going to get moving, praise the Lord, and you're going to have some amazing victories. Now, we know that David did not follow kingly protocol, although he was king. And I pray and I trust that those of you that are listening to me as kings, believers in Christ, that you're not going to sit around and just become lethargic and uh, get into trouble, which is what happened to David. Mm -mm. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. Watch out. You've got things to do. You're supposed to be off fighting a war. You're supposed to be hidden out, saddling up, making sure your sword is sharp, making sure your skills are polished, and you need, be, you need to be on the move. I know the castle is nice, and I know the food is nice, but you're supposed to be out with the army, camping out in the safe place because you're the king, but you're supposed to be out on the battlefield, overseeing things, leading, governing, guiding. Nothing runs by itself. Everything has to be overseen. Everything has to be managed. Praise the Lord. I don't care if it's an autopilot on your car. You better watch that autopilot because it's not perfected. (laughs) Not by any means. Uh, I don't know if it ever will be in some ways. I mean, I I know technology is still going to continue to make great leaps and bounds. I do think there are some things that only human judgment can make. And um, so... You know, these are, these are just things that we have to be aware of. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, some years back, let me take a little drink real quick. Some years back, I was sitting at my study at a table, and I was, I was like um, uh, eight days into a fast. I had just finished uh, like day eight, and so I was kind of just uh, sitting down during the daytime I was still, I was still going to continue the fast, but I felt it was one of those moments. I just felt real happy. I didn't feel hungry. I didn't feel, you know, like, uh, you know, some of the difficulties that can certainly touch your flesh, your humanity while you're fasting. I just felt real relaxed and kind of had a happy moment in the Lord sitting at my table and without really expecting that this was going to happen, although it didn't surprise me, I went right into a vision and I could see an angel from a long ways off, from, uh, I would say, even over the, where the earth is round. And so it, it, 
it's round, so there's this circumference of the earth. Well, I saw this angel coming from a great distance. I could only see the top of him. And then as he kept moving at phenomenal speed, flying at phenomenal speed, I could see him covering uh, the distance extremely fast, faster than any jet. Uh, I would say almost like rocket, like spaceship type speed. This, this uh, a, uh, holy angel was moving and he was coming towards me and he flew all the way to where I was at. He came into the room where I was at and he began to talk to me about Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 1. And he explained to me and I could see him standing there. He explained to me that what happened to David is that he lost his vision and purpose and he had slipped into a place of complacency. Mm-mm. You know, while you're climbing and while you're looking for breakthrough and while you're hungry for God and hungry for, uh, you know, what it is that he is reserved for you and what it is, what it is that would be your inheritance. Oftentimes you, you pursue with tremendous uh, fervor and zeal the Lord and his plan for your life. But when you get a breakthrough and suddenly you're in the palace and you're the king sitting on the throne and it's cold outside and you've got a nice fire going on and, you know, springtime can still be a little, yes, the flowers are coming out, but it can still get kind of cool and you're like, I don't want to go camping out right just yet. You know, that, that uh, hang around the palace mentality can be a pretty strong pull. So it's easy for people sometimes when they reach levels of what we, maybe we would identify as success to suddenly be tempted to move away from their kingly anointing and just settle into a place of complacency. And so the angel told me that he had got into complacency and that it's very important that you know your assignment from the Lord and that you're on that task. And I'm here today to tell you that it's springtime and it's time for you to get up as a king and get out to war. Praise the Lord. I don't want to hear no bad testimony. I don't want to hear a bad story of somebody that stayed in the palace. And the next thing we know, well, we all know what happened to David. The whole world knows what happened to David. He got into a mess with Bathsheba. And uh, just, I mean, not only was there adultery, but there's, then there's lying to cover it up. And then there's uh, murder. And it was just a big mess. Now, we thank God for his redemption. We thank God for his uh, phenomenal ability to forgive and to heal. But my friends, uh, you don't have time for a train wreck. <laughs> no, that, that is also not uh, in God's plan for your life. God's plan for you is to be out on the battlefield possessing the promises that he has given you. And by the way, it's time you got excited about what God said is rightfully yours and about the plan that he has for your life. Because I, I, I just want you to understand, if I can get this over to you, the unique thing that you and God can have going on together that's different from what, what anybody else might have going on with the Lord. Yes, there could be a similarity, but let me just tell you that uh, God's not this cookery, cookie cutter God just stamping out humanity all in the same kind of a mold. No, no, you and God can have your own thing going on together in the sense where your, your destiny has its own unique beauty and your calling has its own specific color and flavor and you, you need to be after it because it's tailor-made for you. 
praise the Lord. You don't have, you don't have all this time to be just sitting around watching the fireplace burn. You know, well, the throne sure feels good. That's nice. That's nice. You attained the throne, but you got, you got other stuff to do. Praise the Lord. You've been, been on the throne all winter. <laughs> Woo. So there's a time to move and it's God's time in the spring to get up and really know your inheritance and get after it because God's going to, he's going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when Kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. Now Rabbah is only 40 miles away from Jerusalem. Rabbah is the modern day city of Ammon, which is the capital of modern day Jordan, right across the Jordan river. Okay. So 40 miles away is where all the action is at. That's where the army is at. That's where a lot of the Israelites have gone, you know, to support the troops and stuff like that. And, uh, Jerusalem is, uh, kind of being held down by the, uh, you know, small, small reinforcements and, uh, and so forth. So David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But today from this pulpit, I see you in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. You're at the right place. You're out on the battlefield at the right time. Why? You're going to capture a crown. They're going to put it on your head. Woo! Glory to God. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, may there be revival in your heart. May there be fire in your heart to see the inheritance that the Lord has made available for you. And may you get up and get going and go get it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In the morning, throw the sheets off, throw the comforter off. Hallelujah. Oh, Pastor Stephen, the bed's so comfortable. I know you had enough sleep now. Get up, praise the Lord, and step into what God has placed before you and get cooking, get moving. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now, it's time for you to take your possession. What would that include? Well, something extremely important and something in that list of blessing basket for you. Number one, let me just touch a couple things that are simple. Number one would be your health. Some of you, you really need to possess your health and take it back. Maybe you haven't given attention to your body. Uh, that's like a homeowner not giving attention to the home and the home you know, if you don't take care of it, it will begin to deteriorate and you have to take care of your body. God wants you to be in health. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. We see that very clearly in the epistle of John. This would be third John and verses one and two, the elder that would be John in his latter ages to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, John, the last of the apostles to die, he's a very old man. And here he is saying that with great knowledge of God and writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says that he prays, he desires that we may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Can you imagine John writing a letter and saying, brother, I really want you to be sick. 
you'll bring God a lot of glory by just being horribly sick and laying around and uh, uh, that'll just bring God a lot of glory. So I'm praying with great desire that you be sick, but he didn't say that. And God is saying to you that it is his desire for you to be in health. Uh, and by the way, health is one of the expressions of wealth, wealth of prosperity is multi compartmental. In other words, every facet of your life healthy and God wants you to be healthy in your body. You could be a multi-billionaire, but if you don't have health, you can enjoy the wealth. We saw that with Steve Jobs, the founder of, uh, and the creator basically of Apple in the sense where he became a multi-billionaire, but he got sick and all of the world's great doctors, and even with the good medical technology, they could not bring the healing. And so he died well before his time, even with great wealth. My friends, you need to have health in your body. And this, this can be a challenge, not only for, uh, you know, may, maybe somebody that's just uh, living a nine to uh, working a nine to five type job. And it's more of like what you would call a specialized career field, but even for ministers, men and women of God, health can be a great challenge. I belong to a ministerial association uh, years back and uh, I, I'm not in that association anymore, but I, I, I'm still friends with all those ministers. And I, I was talking to the president over the whole organization and because there was a meeting several months before uh, a very large convention where one of the directors said, we're really looking into a program where we can make available to all of the uh, members health insurance. Uh, and that would be something that, you know, many ministers would be interested in. And of course, when a lot of the ministers heard that, they were excited. Oh, that would be great. But months went by, nothing ever was said about it. So I I knew the president of the organization, so I said, hey, um, and this was like uh, over on the side. This wasn't in a meeting or something like that. I just asked him one-on-one. I said, hey, um, what happened to uh, the idea being tossed around about health insurance for the ministers of the organization? He said, oh, he said, Stephen, he said, um, we approached numerous health organizations like insurance companies, you know, get get health insurance and health benefits for the ministers. And he said, every single one of them turned us down. I said, why, why, why would that happen? And he said, they said, you're all too sick. <laughs> You've got too many sick people that, you, you know, if you're going to get insurance from us, you're, you're coming in all sick. And we're going to have to start paying all this money out immediately. And preferably they want healthy people to belong to their organizations, you know, and but it was, it was a real challenge, and I, I said, well, I, I understand, because you can just look, and you could see that a lot of the ministers, although they loved, Lord, loved the Lord, and many of them had large churches, and some of them were uh, pretty well-known evangelists and so forth. The majority, though, the majority had a lot of health problems. And so health is something that you have to possess, because you have various elements that will fight you in that area. You have the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so in the world, you have sickness, you have disease, you have COVID 
COVID-19, COVID-21, you know, COVID-whatever. You have all of these things and what they, what they even call the mutations <laughs> branching off from that. And it's, you know, it's not funny in a sense, but, but I'm just saying that stuff's out there. We all know what's out there. And so you have the world that will try to challenge your health. So you're going to have to be strong in your covenant rights. You're going to have to know the word and you're going to have to stand on the word and you're going to have to possess your health. Praise God. Take it back. And then you have your flesh. Your, your flesh doesn't want to go out and walk. Your flesh doesn't want to get on the scale and look and see what the scale says. Well, we're just going to ignore. We didn't see that. Well, the, the scale is not your enemy. It's your friend just trying to help you realize this is where you're at. Is this your set body weight? Yes or no. Are you off? Are you under? Are you over? Whatever the case might be. And so just use that as a tool to help you go in the right direction. But the flesh nature, uh, it just wants to eat too much. It wants to eat the wrong thing. It wants to eat and eat and eat. And that's just the nature, the fallen nature of the flesh, which we have all inherited through our great forefather, Adam. And it is the fallen nature. But in Christ, there is power to say no. There is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of self-control that says, no, that's enough. I'm going to stop right there. Or no, I'm not going to eat that. That's not healthy. Yes, it has a sensation that's enjoyable uh, while eating it, but I'm not going to eat that. And, uh, you know, there's, there's crazy food here in North America that really uh, it, uh, it puts people under quick. You, you know, you go to these county fairs or stuff like that. They've got fried Twinkies and you get a, you can get a fried stick of butter to take a whole stick of butter and deep fry it and oil and uh, give it to you. Fried ice cream, fried all kinds of crazy stuff, but you know, it's clogging people's arteries up and uh, it causes a lot of health problems later. Now, when you're young, you can get, a, you can get away with a lot of that stuff, but later you can really begin to feel the effects of that. And you could wake up in a sense where you realize your flesh has been running out of control for a while. But my friends, the Holy Spirit will help you to go to war. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Uh, and you have your fork. I'm here to ride in the battle with my fork. <laughs> and I'm only going to. I'm going to, only going to eat select things, <laughs> praise God, <laughs> or whatever it might be. But you have to take it serious. But the Lord will give you victory. So for many, that's something that you have to possess because you also have, you have the world, the flesh, but you have the devil. And he will try to put some things over on you at times. And if there's a weakness or if there is what we would call an open door that gives him legal right to come in and throw that on you, then that... That's a door that needs to be closed so that he's kept out. Praise the Lord. And so possess your health. Glory to God, because without it, you're going to be very, very limited in what you can do. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. You need to be able to go out and walk. You need to be able to get up and move around. Don't sit in front of a, a computer screen all, the, all day long. That may be your job where you're, in a sense, that's what you have to do. But, you know, uh, take little breaks. And, and then when you're done with work, get out and take a nice walk or whatever it might be, whatever form of exercise you connect with that makes you happy. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. You'll feel better. You'll feel better about yourself. And certain chemicals within your body that God designed to be released, hormones and endorphins and all kinds of good stuff gets released 
when you exercise. And so the Lord has structured this in a very wise way. So possess your health. Glory to God. Mm -mm. And you will be a happy person. Now, let me move on to something else uh, that you can write off to war and accomplish. And it really goes along with spring, and that would be spring cleaning. Okay, so we're going to get to some spiritual stuff in a moment. But you know what? The spiritual realm works easier as far as sensitivity to that and access into that what we could call the glory realm when your natural life is balanced. But if your natural life is all chaotic and out of order and uh, it can really make it difficult for you to get into a place of calmness and serenity where you can discern the voice of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So spring is a good time to do what? Spring cleaning. Hallelujah. And I remember, uh, you know, years back when my grandmother in rural Mississippi, when spring came and winter, you know, I'm pretty sure winter's passed and spring came and you'd have a beautiful day in the spring, she would take all the quilts and she would take a lot of this, a uh, lot of these uh, you know, cloth type things outside of the house, start dusting and shaking everything out, beating it with a broom and stuff like that. We didn't have a washer and dryer and uh, uh, just had very basic um, we did have a little water heater, uh, but that was about it. Uh, had some lights uh, here and there, but it was still very, very uh, low, le low level house. But you know what? Uh, it's, you still get it outside and put it on a clothesline, and you can wash it down by the creek or something like, like that, or get some water and get some hot water on it, and, and then hang it up to dry and let it get some sunshine, get all the dust off of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading the uh, biography of an old minister, old Pentecostal preacher. And, uh, you know, they didn't have holiday, holiday inns and Ramadas and Hyatts and Hiltons back in those days. So you sometimes sleep in somebody's house. And so he uh, was traveling as an itinerant preacher and he stopped at somebody's house and they said, yeah, you can stay here. You can sleep in this room over here. And he went, slept on this mattress. Uh, this was back in the early 1900s and he slept on the mattress and the next morning he woke up with a fever and he was so sick, uh, you know, sweating and just super high temperature. And he, uh, he asked the person who uh, was letting him stay there. He said, that mattress I slept on. He said, uh, when's the last time you took that mattress out and aired it out? He goes, well, uh, now let me think about it. The man of the house said, let me think about it. He said, now, grandpa died on that mattress a few years ago. We didn't take it out after he died on it, and it's it's probably been sitting there for about 35 years, and it's never been taken out or dusted out. And the man, the preacher then realized, hey, I've been laying on basically a bed of sickness. I've been laying on something with all kinds of germs and bacteria and stuff like that. So he was like, that's why I'm sick. So he left and thanked the guy for a night, uh, a night where he could at least not sleep outside, but he realized I've got to get back in the Word immediately to get my faith real strong so I can throw off this horrible sickness thing that jumped on him from having slept in a, uh, a disease-ridden bed like that. So my friends, um, spring clean, 
Hallelujah. Get into your closet. I know, I know it's not anything like that old, that old mattress I gave an example. But just, you know, look around. Put things in order. What is order? It's the proper arrangement of things. Go through your closet. You know, you'll see some things. If they've been there for 10, 15 years, you haven't worn it, you're probably never going to. You might want to clean it out. You might want to give it to a Goodwill or United Way or, you know, or something like that. Or, or let it be passed on to somebody else that it could be a blessing to because you're probably never going to use it or ever wear it again. And then if you're really feeling really super king, Maybe you'll even tackle your garage because it is kind of funny how with most Americans that that own a home and they have like the typical two car garage, most people in that scenario don't park their vehicles in their garage. Why? The garages are full of all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and so there's their garages, but the vehicles aren't parked in there. There's no room. There's all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, a lot of the stuff has just been piling up year after year, decade after decade. And so now you got all this stuff. Well, it's good just to deal with that. And if you can't figure out what to do with it, it's just too much. Well, you know, just have a garage sale. And uh, because... You know, your junk could be somebody else's treasure, and they're willing to pay money for that. But there's all kinds of things you can do. But my friends, just touch those areas too. These are things that you do in the spring. Praise the Lord. Now, we go off to war to possess what is ours. Let me jump back just for a moment to our key scripture today. We go off to war to possess what rightfully belongs to us. It happened in the spring of the year. Say it's springtime. Woo, hallelujah. The birds are singing. Mm -mm. The flowers are blooming. Yes, Pastor Stephen, it's wonderful. It is, but you know what it means. It means it's time to ride off and possess what rightfully belongs to you. Right off to battle. It happened in the spring of the year. At the time when kings, that's you, I'm talking to kings today, when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and so forth. Now, uh, of course, Joab, he knows what to do. He, he's going to get the job done. But my friends, you're going to go off to war and you're going to possess what is yours. If you're not sure about what is yours and God's unique and specific plan for your life, ask him to show you. Just say, Lord, I've had it in my heart to to do this for quite some time. And that's been there for maybe months or maybe for some of you, even years, Lord, I just want to make sure, Lord, is this my portion? Is this my inheritance? I don't want to just do something because somebody else did it. I don't want to just do something because I think it could be a good idea, but that thing in your heart that you feel would be the thing that you would ride into battle to accomplish Make sure that you know that that is from the Lord. Ask God to reveal to you your own promises. Mm -mm. Praise God. Let me show you something interesting in the Gospel of John. When you know what your own promises are, you'll never be jealous of what others have. Why? You've got your own thing going on with God. And your own thing is very unique and special. Now, we see this in John chapter 21. Please turn there with me and drop down to verse 19. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Can you believe that? Jesus, speaking to Peter, 
about his apostolic ministry, one-on-one -on -one with Christ, the head of the church, receiving insight. Peter's receiving insight even uh, into his latter days, what his ending, what his very death is going to be like. Praise the Lord. And then Jesus says, follow me. Verse 20, then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, that would be John who actually wrote this book. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. What's the Lord saying? You follow me in your own distinct assignment that I just got through talking to you about. You don't need to be concerned about John. John has his own special anointing. He has his own special grace. But Peter, you don't have any need to look at somebody else with envy or jealousy. You've got your own thing. Can you imagine this is Peter? <laughs> you know, uh, he's the leader of the 12. He's the most famous of the 12. And so he's known. He's known even amongst those in other religions. But Peter, the great apostle, the rock, here he is looking at somebody else. He doesn't need to look at anybody else. He's got his own thing going on with the Lord. And you do too. And when you know that, and when you know what the Lord has for you, what your inheritance is, what your portion is, you're too occupied with that to be looking over here, all envious, jealous about what God's doing in some other person's life. No, you've got your own thing going on. You see somebody else, you're just like, praise the Lord. Lord bless them. Hallelujah. That's great. Wonderful. But you're staying on what you have to do. Even the Apostle Paul, he understood that. He said, I magnify my ministry. Well, now, Paul, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be focused on your ministry. No, that's his ministry. That's his commissioning. That's what God has called him to do. And he said, I magnify. He said, I put an emphasis on my ministry. Praise the Lord. Now, he's not jealous of any other minister, and he's certainly not competitive with any other minister. He, he prefers others above himself. He walks in love. He'll do anything he can to help somebody. But at the same time, he has an assignment. He's got to be busy about that. And that took up his focus. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And I see you doing the same thing. Riding off to war because you have something to do that the Lord has said, this is your portion. This is your assignment. And you're busy. And you're on track. And you're on target. Praise God. Mm -mm. Now, here's something fascinating. I can't fight your battles for you in these types of areas where it comes to you possessing your promises. You have to get on your horse. You have to sharpen your sword. That means take the word of God, the, the living word of God, which is sharper than any uh, you know, two-edged sword that would be out there. So you're going to take the word. You're going to ride into battle. Praise the Lord. And you're going to possess your 
individual promises. Now, there can be corporate promises for a ministry, for a church, etc., and we can all have a part in that, and we're, we're doing things like that. But you also have your personal things, and on those, you have to do your own writing. You have to do your own sword slinging. Hallelujah. You have to do your own fighting. Mm -hmm. Oh, ooh, Pastor Stephen, I, uh, that's not really my thing. Well, it has to become your thing. You're going to have to possess your promises through faith, through patience, and through active engagement of walking it out, of taking it, riding off the battle. Mm -hmm. Somebody else can't do it for you. Your best friend can't do it for you. Why? They've got their own promises too. They have to, they have to spend time also doing what God has called them to do. Mm -mm. So for those personal things that God has spoken to your heart, you're going to have to step in there, rise up and say, where's my kingly helmet? Where's my sword? Where's my horse? I'm moving on this now. Mm -hmm. You can't just let another year go by, another decade go by and think somehow it just automatically happens. No, it doesn't happen like that. You have to go take it. You have to go take it. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Pastor Stephen, I want you to come with me. Well, if I go with you uh, and I help you take it and I'm the one pulling the load, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. It's, it's, it's going to be mine. It reminds me of the time R.W. Shambach, the, the evangelist now in heaven, talked about the time that some of these other preachers witnessed him walk around a building. They thought it was silly. Before they actually saw it work, he walked around a building and claimed it in the name of Jesus that he would be able to buy it and purchase it and use it for a church. They thought it was funny, but he ends up doing it. And God does miracles and uh, the money comes in. And next thing you know, he's the owner of that building. Well, a few of those ministers, they got real excited. They went out on their own and marched around certain buildings, uh, you know, a building that they saw and they claimed it and God gave them their building too. But he said, one of those ministers, called him on the phone and said, Brother Shambach, I heard about your miracle. You got that building that you marched around. You believe God for. Now he said, there's a building. I want, I want, I'm going to go walk around it. But he said, I want you to walk it with me because I'm, I'm going to believe God for it. But I want you to come and use your faith with me and come walk around this thing. Shambach said, brother, he said, if I'm going to do the walking, he said, I'm going to do the believing. He said, when it happens, that building's going to be mine. He said, that preacher dropped the phone, literally left the, home, the phone hanging. That's when phones were on a cord. And that preacher made a beeline in his vehicle to where that building was and started walking it himself before Shambach showed up. <laughs> Shambach never showed up, you know, because that's not, he's already got his own thing. But that guy realized, I've got to, I've got to do my own thing. And you know what? He got his building too. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get your miracle too. You'll find out that your faith works just fine. Works just like any uh, other person's faith that has been accomplishing things. You just have to get in there and use it. Praise God. You have to get in there and use it. And I know you're going to. Praise the Lord. We see this very clearly in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Please turn there with me. 2 Samuel chapter 12. And let's drop down to verse 26. Now Joab, who would be David's military commander, now Joab fought against Rabbah of the people of Ammon and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah 
and I have taken. Notice he's saying, I've done all this. And he did. I'm, he was a tough guy. And I have taken the city's water supply. Now, therefore, gathered the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. Woo! David heard that. He's like, well, see what's going on. Joab, Joab is using his faith. Now he's under orders. He's under authority, but he's also he's a smart guy. Hey, David, you, you're just going to sit back and you know, you're just going to be king and title only. Well, we're out here on, in the real world. We're working this and this working for us. So if you're not really going to do anything, I mean, somebody's got to name the city. Mm -mm. And since I'm the guy taking it, if you don't show up, I'm going to put my name on it. <laughs> so David gathered all the people together and went the rubber, fought against it and took it. David was like, Whoa, I get my clothes on. Where's my sword? Whoosh. Whew, he's not going to take that city. Uh, mm -mm. That's the one I've always wanted. I've had my eye on that city for a long time. I'm still the king. Mm -hmm. You are, but you better get out there. Mm, better not be disappearing. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Then he took their king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones. I, I see some precious things being possessed and taken by you too because you got out there and did your part. Hallelujah. Mm, got, got too many armchair critics in the church criticizing the way this or that. But, you know, you get out there in the battle. Battle's, battle's messy. Sure, you could criticize. You could say that could have been executed better. But, hey, when you're out there in the real life, you're, you're, you're just trying to win. You're, you're, trying to, you're trying to win the battle. It doesn't have to be clean and neat since when is a war clean or neat? So you're out there trying to possess your promises, you're, and you're just slugging it out in the spirit. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. So just go for it. Hallelujah. Don't listen to those that, have, that are just sitting back watching it on their cell phone. Praise God. This is real life. It, you know, turn off the cell phone. This is real life. This thing is going down. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's the way old-fashioned wars were fought. Nobody there with a movie camera. Nobody there with a cell phone. And no soldier there taking a, a selfie. No, no, this is the real thing. We're going to either get killed or we're going to win. And we're going to possess this thing. Mm -hmm. Then he took their king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones. And it was set on David's head. Also, he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. To the victor go the spoils. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Jump in there and take it. Praise the Lord. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Praise God. Use your faith. Pray. Seek the Lord. Use the word. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. And we'll hear mighty testimonies. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Get up. Go to war. Praise the Lord. Possess your promises. Get out of the palace. Mm. Woo. Get out of the palace. Lest there be malice in the palace. Get out. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You have to work it out, your own salvation 
God's plan for your life, the assignments he's put on your plate, the things he's entrusted for you to do that will not get done. If you don't do it, you have to work it out. How with fear and trembling because you you are going to give an account before the Lord one-on-one. You will stand before the Lord, not as a form of judgment, but as a form of how did you respond with the responsibilities that the Lord gave to you? Praise the Lord. Did you get it done? Did you get it half done? Or did you get it all the way done for his glory? I see you accomplishing it all. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Get out there on the battlefield. Work it out. What do I do next? I don't know. Look, we know principles, but methods can be varied. Just work the principles. Use your faith. Put works to it. Uh, you know, and, and work the biblical principles. We, we've talked about those many times, but the methods of actually how you do it will be different for every person because every person has different scenarios, different angles, different dimensions of their life and everything else like that. So your testimony will be different. The, why? Because the method will be different because it will be an expression that's uniquely you. But get out there and start figuring it out. Work it out. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. The word will means desire. So is God who works in you both to desire and to do or to work for his good pleasure. So God's put it in you. You actually know what to do. You know what the target is. You know what the city is to take out. Go get it. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Get serious about it. Get focused. Get you, a, get you a file folder if you need to put information about it. If it's a bigger project, get you a folder. It's own dedicated project folder. Praise God. And take it with you. Be serious about it. Stay on it. Keep building your faith. And my friends, my friends, next thing you know, they'll be putting a crown on your head too. Mm -mm. What does that mean? Accomplishment. Mm -mm. David got in there and said, hold oh, Y'all been fighting. Y'all about got it, but leave some for me. Whoosh, whoosh. Yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Been in, you've been in the palace too long. It's been a long winter. Pastor Stephen, it's been a COVID winter. We're buckled down for the next 10 years. No, get out. Praise the Lord. Get out. Get moving. Hallelujah. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. Go possess your promises. Don't accept any excuse that would say, this is why I can't get out of the palace. No, rise up and go. Why? Because it's time. It's prophetic time. Kings go to war in the spring. You're a king. It's springtime. Get moving. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching. I pray for the believers, the, the believers, the receivers, the kingly anointed ones. Father God, that there begin to be great clarity of what their assignment is in this spring moment, in this hour, their focus, their target. And I pray that they make an all out assault on it, that they're serious about it. They're not just out there swinging the sword, playing around Lord, that they're, they are there to possess it at all costs and they're going to get it. And I thank you father. They will strengthen them. Let there be angelic help. Let there be angelic support. And I thank you father God for breakthroughs, supernatural guidance, supernatural wisdom. I thank you for favor. Let favor, favor, favor be all over them. 
to accomplish what you have called them to do. And I thank you for a testimony this year. I thank you for the crown, the anointing being placed on their head this year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We give you praise father in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. I know I'm going to hear some very royal testimonies. I'm going to receive some very royal, royal testimonies. You're going to get it done. Mm -mm. Praise God. If you have been watching today's program, but you don't know Christ, you cannot come into that true kingly anointing that the Lord gives unless you're one of his children. But if you would like to turn from your sin and receive Christ right now, get right, get your life right with God, get on God's program of blessing and goodness for your life and forgiveness of sin and get out of all the junk of the sinful world system. If you're ready, you're ready to turn your heart completely over to God. Pray right now. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, save me now. I turn from all of my sin. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, lead me into battle to possess what you have for me. Jesus, Show me what my inheritance is and help me to go up and get it beginning today. In your name I pray. Amen. Praise God. And you have just possessed the greatest inheritance of all, which is eternal life in Christ. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take Holy Communion together as we celebrate the Lord's death upon the cross to bring us into a place of victory. Hallelujah. Jesus bore the shame of sinful humanity and all of the awful effects of sin. He bore it upon himself at Calvary so that we could be free from its devastating effects and so that we could live our lives for him. So grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice Mm -mm. I hear swords being sharpened. Woo! I hear the horses ready to roll. Mm -mm. Praise God. Before you ride off into battle, let's take communion. Now, Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We ask that you bless it, that you would consecrate it, and we set it apart as holy through this prayer. We thank you that this is now the body and the blood of our Savior. Thank you, Father God. There are souls at stake, and you are depending upon us to get certain jobs done because it will touch the lives of others for good for eternity. Thank you, Father God, as we receive the body of Jesus. We thank you for eternal life in Christ. We thank you for clarity of assignment. We thank you, Father, we're just not riding off randomly, not even knowing where we're going. We thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is revealing specific targets, particularly a specific target right now that is the focus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise. Thank you for the body of Jesus. 
We receive his body now and his promises. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for his shed blood. Thank you, O oh God. He got it done. He came to this earth for a purpose. To save lost humanity and make a way back to you, Father, through his shed blood, through faith and trust in him. Thank you, Father God, that Jesus said it is finished. He accomplished every single thing that you had for him to do, one at a time. We thank you, Father God, that is, we notice, we notice that it's springtime, that it's time for kings to get moving, to get into battle. So, Father, we ask you for battle strategy, for wisdom. We ask you for angelic support, that angels would go before us and angels would go with us. And we thank you, Father, for an awareness of their presence and their help. Thank you, Father God. I ask you for strength for your people. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, Father. And we ask that if we have committed any sin, that you would forgive us and wash all sin away through his precious blood. Thank you, Father God. We pray that you protect us and deliver us from the evil one, his snares, his temptations. Keep us, O oh God, from him. We thank you for your protection. Thank you, O oh God, and we thank you for your help to accomplish these wonderful things that you have for us. Now, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Now say this. Say, I'm going to do it. Say, this time I'm going to do it. Praise the Lord. That's one of the principles, by the way, which is praying and speaking. You pray, and you enjoy the presence of the Lord, and you are strengthened in the presence of the Lord. And out of those moments of strength, you speak. Goliath taunted David, said, I'm going to kill you. And David said, oh, no, I'm going to kill you. And today... I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed you to the birds. And he spoke and he did it. As you ride forth, the anointing to speak will also rest upon you. Speak with wisdom, speak with accuracy, and speak with that anointing. Praise the Lord. So say it again. Say, I'm going to do it. The Lord is with me. I'm going to capture and possess my inheritance. Now say this, get real bold, say this, say, I am a king in Christ, and I'm riding into battle to possess my inheritance, and I will possess my inheritance by the Lord's blessing, grace, and strength. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Bye-bye.